everybody. I'm Sean Merrills from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after, well, I think just a gem of a game by the Winnipeg Jets against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, come into this game. I like their start. I like their middle. I like their finish. I like the way they respond to the challenges within the game. I like the way that when the uh, Chicago Blackhawks try and drag this thing down into the alleyway, the Jets aren't afraid to take them into the alleyway and leave them behind battered and bruised and go out, make them pay on, on the power play. Um, like the, the Sandberg thing, and we'll get to this by the end of the day, but the Sandberg and Domi thing, I mean, I love this. I love everything about this. I love the reaction up and down the lineup. I loved how the defense played. I loved how Connor Hellebuck played. And I know there's going to be people out there who will say Chicago Blackhawks may not be the stiffest test. I think we saw the uh, uh, we we saw the um, uh, stat in the middle of the TSN broadcast that talked about uh, them being. I think I think they were the worst team over the month of November in the NHL. So that's a little bit of a tough one. The Chicago Blackhawks, I think, got out to a bit of an interesting start. Uh, I think we all knew it was going to head this way. It's headed that way. They're not a very good team. Um, They were designed to tank in a year where tanking is going to be very, very fruitful based on what's coming up in the draft. But I, this is how I think that this should be approached. And I don't think it's how the Jets have approached this thing in the in the past. I know there's been a lot of people, a lot of times on the show, talk about the way the Jets have handled things in the past, about how they've gone out and brought their level down to that of the team that they're playing. I've always thought, if you want to show that you are a champion or at least have championship potential, think of this like a boxing match. You want to be the kind of, of champion or boxer Now, when someone of lower caliber steps into the ring, you don't want them walking out of that ring and saying, that guy's not so tough. You want to lay a beating on those guys. That's what you want to do. You want to create a reputation about yourselves that you step into the ring with us and you're going to get everything that we have. And I think the Winnipeg Jets did that tonight. I think they handled the imbalance game that they've been challenged with time and time again over the last number of years. They've been challenged with the imbalance game. And I think at times I haven't liked the challenge. They've won a lot of those games. They've won most of those games. Um, but what I find is a lot of those games left me personally feeling like they were picking up bad habits or they were just skilling their way through the game. It's the kind of game that you end up not getting away with it by the end of the season. This is the kind of game, I think, that sets you up for success down the road. Not because you're playing like teams like this in the playoffs, but because you are creating a reputation for yourself that you step on the ice with the Winnipeg Jets. You don't bring your A game, the Winnipeg Jets are going to lay one on you. Um, I should probably talk about this. Uh, I'll get into it quick. I don't want to go too far on this. But uh, I know that a lot of people were heated uh, with my takes on the last show, um, as is want to happen sometimes on the Kenny and Rennie show. Um, I know there were people who went as far as saying I should apologize for my takes. Now, apologizing for having a different opinion than someone, that's that's something, sure. But I will say this. I, I did dig into everything that I said. I dig into dug into some of the comments. I had some conversations with people. I had a conversation with Scott Billick. And one thing I will say, I think I do owe an apology. I owe an apology to the members of the Winnipeg media because I think I called them out with a general term 
of the Winnipeg uh, media at that show said something about the Winnipeg media. And I can tell you personally, I hate when people blanket term the media like that. There's nothing more frustrating than being in this business and saying something and then have someone say the media said this and you're saying something totally different. It's frustrating. It's lame. It's a way for people to kind of discount what the media is saying, even if a lot of what is being said in the media is right. It's it's a cop-out. And I, I, I used that cop in the last show. I don't think I did it intentionally, but I no doubt did it. Having a conversation with Scott Billick, I can tell you that uh, he, he brought that up and he's absolutely right. So I apologize to the members of the Winnipeg media for, for making that generalization. It wasn't deserved. I shouldn't do it. As for me, apologizing about my takes on this show. Uh, I was reading some of the comments coming in here. Jeep guy 696969, who's already signed up for the lamplighter, which all of you should get your lamplighter comments in there. You can do it at any time. Says, because people were in the chat room talking about me apologizing for my takes or or admitting that I was wrong. Jeep guy 696969 says, ha ha ha, Rennie admitting he was wrong is as likely as me winning the lottery and I don't buy tickets. I'll say this, Jeep guy's a little bit off here. You got to be wrong before you admit you're wrong. Let's bring Kenny into the show, everybody. Here's my main man, straight down from Chicago, bringing the guy with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny. Kenny, my friend, good to see you as always. Uh, we're going to get to see each other up close and personal. It's been a while, not that long. We were together down in Minnesota, but you continued on when I watched my favorite football team win a great game over the New York Giants. Go Cowboys, uh, I got to say, for everybody. And then you keep going, rolling along on the trip and looking pretty darn dapper now. I'm not going to talk down about the way I look right now because I'm wearing this gorgeous Transcanner Brewing logo that Kenny and I we're talking about before the show started. Actually, this is an interesting thing. The Trans Canada uh, Lamplighter logo, if you notice, that's the jersey. I'm wearing the jersey from the Lamplighter logo. Gorgeous stuff. Got this from down at Trans Canada Brewing. They've got great boo, or sorry, they've got great beers, huge selection, great pizza, great stuff like this. You got to go check it out. And our main man, Merle uh, Peters, went down there. He was the recent Lamplighter winner. He went down there today and he said he checked out not only picked up his eight pack of delicious frosty Lamplighter Amber Ale, but he also went and picked up some pizza. Said it was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I made a new word. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Ken, you and I know that because we were down there doing that. Uh, but you are looking like a million bucks, my friend. Uh, is that a Frank special from Vittorio Rossi? The shirt is, yes, the shirt. Uh, I'm not, not comfortable bringing my uh, Vittorio jackets on the road. It was a long trip. For a week-long trip, I mean, it's. I don't want to be putting it through the ringer this early, but we'll definitely be uh, wearing a Vittorio Rossi suit for the game on Tuesday. You got to look good against the champ when the champs are coming to town. There you so go. And, and we've got the guy 
We've got the guy who makes us look good. Just go down and see Frank and the boys at Vittorio Rossi. They'll do you up nice. Just like Kenny said, I had brought in a bunch of different suits because I couldn't figure out what to do with them. Frank whipped out the shirts, whipped out the ties, put everything together. It's going to look like a million bucks. Ken, I think I've got four suits I got to go pick up there uh, in the next little while. So I'm going to be rocking some new, some newbies, some new Frank specials, uh, and I can't wait to do it. Ken, uh, take it away. What did you think about tonight's game? Or you can take this anywhere you want to. Uh, but the floor is yours. The buffet is steaming hot. It is ready to go. Here's your plate. Get at it, my friend. Well, great timing. Uh, we have the Zambonis or the dueling Zambonis are just about to leave the ice here at the United Center. So good news on the, uh, the uh, voice you front or the sound front. Anyway, uh, interesting game. I mean, it's a Sean. I mean, it's one of those tilts where you wonder if the bad habits creep in, right? We've all been in those games. It can become a little bit of a point night. Then you start to wonder, are the Jets going to start cheating for offense? Are they going to get a little bit lackadaisical defensively? But that didn't really happen. Uh, you're right. I mean, in terms of what you said earlier, the Blackhawks had a little bit of pushback at times, but the Jets kind of imposed their will in both of those situations when they tried to make it a little bit closer. Uh, Jets doing an impressive job. Hey, we know the Hawks are struggling. As you mentioned, I mean, this team is uh, definitely looking to be in the tankathon. Uh, Peter Morazic, not a great night. And again, I'm not saying it was all Morazic's fault. Didn't have a lot of help in front of him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what we saw earlier from the Hawks this season, they have started to go down the drain a little bit here. And seven in a row they've lost, and it just it's tough. Uh, that that's a tough, tough look for the Hawks and. The Hawks are going to be getting worse before they get better, Sean, don't you think? I mean, you move out Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and maybe another player or two, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And that's saying something here for a Hawks franchise, uh, you know, that put three banners up in a five-year span. So, uh, in terms of the Jets, uh, all four lines scoring. They got the power play going in terms of the five-on-three goal. Uh, Just an absolute rocket from Kyle Connor. Um, it's funny, Sean. I, I was just talking to Kyle after the game, uh, trying to look forward at the uh, you know the 20 game mark, uh, some bigger picture stuff. And it's funny. He goes, he felt he had a slow start, and you know what? Sh- you know what the slow start has resulted in for Kyle Connor? Eight goals and 20 points in 20 games. Yes, he's right. He did have a bit of a slow start, but his slow start is being a point of game player, and with eight goals <laughs> in the first 20 games. You know he's still on pace for 32 plus, and I mean based on based on how he's played lately, I think he scored in the last six games. So for me, you know, great assessment by Connor first and foremost, but secondly, man, he put that slow start behind him, and he's been absolutely uh, getting things rolling. And you know what, when Kyle Connor gets hot and gets rolling, it's a dangerous quality for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we've talked a lot, Sean, recently about the third and fourth lines needing to get going. Well, guess what? The third line gets going. The fourth line gets two goals. Uh, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois has a couple. The power play, as I mentioned, scores. I mean, uh, it was an impressive showing all around. And, you know, brilliant pass, Blake Wheeler to Mark Shifley. Uh, for that goal, to give him his 11th, I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois is up to 10. Uh, it's been impressive. I mean, we talked about the Jets haven't been scoring as much as we had been expecting. Uh, but a seventh spot will help them in that goals four per game uh, situation. So... You know, it, it was interesting. I mean, I thought they played mostly sound defensively. Um, I I didn't think that Connor Hellbuck was as sharp as we've seen him. There were some weird no, bounces. No. And again, I don't want to... This is not blame. This is not anything else. 
Um, you and I talked about this before. I think I think it was in Minneapolis, and I understand why they didn't do it. But I thought this was kind of one of those games that maybe made a lot of sense for David Riddick, right? I mean, it's a kind of I, it, I, I it's, was it's fully a, expecting it. Yeah. It's it's a way to keep your team on its toes, and that's not a knock on Riddick by any stretch. He's played well, as I've said numerous times, with the exception of the first period. Uh, against Vegas in the first game, but those are you know tough circumstances for any goalie, let alone a backup. Um, to me, again, I, I thought that Hellebuck, you know, a little bit of bad luck on the Radish goal. It's five hole shots, a bit of a you know rebound is a little bit of a change up. Second goal, he just didn't kind of get over fast enough. Bouncing puck, I get it on the on the Kara goal, uh, but there were some there were some really strange sequences during the game, and just you know based on what Connor, I mean, again, we're not going to get into it as much, but. I mean, we've got to get into what Connor Helbuck said a little bit uh, in terms of being in danger and the and the you know the strain that was on his neck and head as a result of the hit. To me, I just thought it would have been a, a good time to have him sit down, you know, let him be ready. He you know let him be get you know composed or whatever else uh, was required. I thought he was very composed in how he was speaking, uh, but I thought he looked a little bit uneasy in the crease, and that's something we haven't really seen much of from Connor Hellebuck. Now again, it's a tough game because it's one of those where the goalies kind of can get bored, Sean. The the shots on goal are so vastly in one one team's direction. Uh but I I don't know. I, I just think that uh it might have been a might have been a a good time for Connor to take a break, but I guess he's also a rhythm guy and with the you know with the Stanley Cup champions coming to town, he probably wanted to play today so he'd be sharp for Tuesday. Uh, he's also going to see the Hawks probably n- not not this week coming up, but the week following when the Jets have a back-to-back St. Louis, then Chicago. He's probably getting that start for sure. Uh, he may get the Columbus game. We'll see how the Jets play it. Uh, but anyways, that's just a sort of a, a veering off the road uh, on the goaltending. Uh, the, the team defense was quite so steady. Um, and for the most part, uh, it's one of those games that can be tough for a team, but you're right, Sean. They did not play down to the level of the competition. And they were, you know, they deserve credit for that. I mean, 13-6-1, we'll get into the bigger picture stuff afterwards, but a pretty solid effort by the Winnipeg Jets. Um, And, to you know, we talked a lot about the importance of this road trip. After the Jets, you know, stunk against the Minnesota Wild, they played two very good games. And as a result, they went 2-3. and And they're sitting at, you know, tied for the best record uh, in franchise history, now some folks will say, well, some po- folks will be surprised to know that one of the other years they went thirteen six and one was last season. Yeah. They were obviously helped by a nine three and three start uh, before things started to go a little bit sideways for them. I just don't see this uh, deteriorating uh, the way that last season did. That's not to say there may not be some tough times for this team, but I do think uh, they're much better equipped to sustain the early success um let's get right into the lamplighter here kenny because there's so many individual performances <laughs> in this game that as often happens in a 7-2 victory yeah. but you're right like i i'm having a hard time looking around at a player tonight being like yeah i wasn't too impressed right like it seemed like everyone was doing what they were supposed to do and a lot of guys were doing a lot more than we expected they could do um who's your who's your lamplighter of the night yeah you and, know what oh, sorry sorry before you get going uh, a lot of you have already shared your lamplighters. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. It's a long list, but uh, but that's what this we're here for. 
Yes, sir. Um, I, I, there are several honorable mentions, including a beautiful pass from Wheeler to Shifley and, uh, you know, a brilliant one-timer shot by Kyle Connor. Uh, but this is one of those where I'm going Saku Menelainen's second goal, Sean. Uh, for me, I think that that, it's from a bad angle, absolutely yes. NHL players should not be scoring from the hash marks, essentially, the outside of the hash marks. But had a look at that uh, shot a few more times. To me, Sean, I think that oh. that Saku Menelainen snapper is legit bar down, like in the very, very corner. Um, just an absolutely perfectly placed shot. I think it definitely caught Peter Mrazek by surprise. Uh, but for me, I think the Lampmater is Sacramento line in second. And yes, you know, sometimes you got to dig deep to the fourth line and hand out the Lamplighter down there because we know it's more likely guys like Shifley and Connor are going to be getting themselves some other Lamplighters down the year. So for me, it's going to be the Menaline and second goal for the Lamplighter. Uh, it's funny, Sean. What have we been talking about the last couple of couple shows? I mean, menelinen has been pretty good, but what we said, we saw some offense to his game that hasn't really translated to the NHL level yet. Sure enough, he is able to come through with his second two-goal game. He had one with Carolina. Some folks are wondering about that. So to me, Menelinen's second goal is my Lamplighter of the game. Excellent stuff. Um, hey, if you want to get a sample, and it's a pretty big sample, eight pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale from Transcanada Brewing. All you got to do is share with us your goal of the game, your Lamplighter of the game, and you are entered. There's a bunch of you already today. It's rocking here today. People, you know what? I Merle posted. Merle Peters went out and picked his up. And uh, one, I didn't know, what is Merle, like seven foot one or something like that? <laughs> what a monster this guy is, eh? Stonewall Dave, too, is sitting back and sipping a frosty, delicious uh, uh, amber sorry lamplighter amber ale as we speak right now and you could be doing the same uh all you gotta do is share with us your lamplighter of the game and you're entered to win an eight pack of lamplighter amber ale if you can't wait for us to hand that out to you head on down to transcanna brewing company join uh check them out at their tap room 11290 keniston uh awesome space really really cool space uh and you know what if you want to come check that space out and check out kenny and rennie we're going to be there december 18th for our christmas party kenny i can tell you it is over half sold out um so if you want to uh make sure you reserve your place because it's actually closed that night but they opened a special part of the restaurant for kenny and rennie we can fit a certain amount of people in there there's no overflow but come check us out tickets are 20 dollars. that gets you your first drink of the night that gets you your food for the night and you can come watch a live viewing of kenny and rennie as it happens in the meantime while we're watching the game and heading into the game you scotty billick's gonna be there kenny's gonna be there i'm gonna be there i'm trying to get the hammer down there we're gonna we're gonna see if we can bring down the hammer that'll be something else there but uh come check us out we'd love to see you and listen again i know that a lot of people have wanted to boo me because i've got the messages over the last couple days ken it's been a non-stop uh run of messages but uh i can tell you this if you want to boo rennie in person this is the place to do it come on down december 18th christmas party at 11290 keniston check it out guys going to be good stuff uh hey we love to look out for each other in the chat room i gotta say this uh ryan friesen has been begging <laughs> for attention from everybody on this colorado thing uh and he needs your attention here okay he's been been 
putting these comments every single show. I don't know how many shows for now. Someone got a hold of me ahead of time and was like, what's this guy's deal? I think Ryan's deal is Ryan needs attention. He needs you to pay attention to this. So please, people, interact with Ryan's take on the Colorado Avalanche uh, and his um, his assertion that I'm cheering for them. Uh Help him out here, guys, because he's he's he needs some backup on this thing here. Ken, great use of assertion, also, buddy, right there. Thank you That's very much. It. Well, I've got an open dictionary right here, and it's on the A's. <laughs> so let's get at it, right? Um, Tremendous. I'm I'm gonna hop on the Johnson Group got you covered play of the game, and we're to do that. We're gonna bring up our nice fancy little graphic that they provided with us. The Johnson Group, uh, phenomenal people there. The Kenny and Randy OGs. Oh, I love this one that got you covered. And I'm going to throw this one out there because uh, I talked about him earlier on. Oh, sorry, I had the wrong one. No, whatever. Anyway, um, they got you covered for me. And I know it's going to seem like the game was out of hand at this point, but what was I thinking in my head, Ken? The Jets were up 6-2, to two, and I was thinking about that game in which the Oilers, you brought it up the other day, was it Josh Archibald? Uh, the Jets were playing against Josh Archibald pulls up a stupid penalty against Josh Morrissey in the playoffs a couple of years ago. The Jet, the Oilers dropped four goals in that game. The Jets come storming back. They win it in overtime. Nick Ehlers scores the goal. It's pandemonium, as much pandemonium as there can be because it's the bubble and there's no one in the crowd. But I can tell you being in the building for that was absolutely phenomenal. And it had me thinking, you know, there was something about Chicago. I'll give them credit. There wasn't a lot of lie down, at least in trying to fight back. I think they lied down a little bit in their own zone, got a little bit sloppy, but they seem to keep trying to fight their way back into their to the game. So I'll give them credit for that. They were scrappy. And that play in which uh, Domi is on the side of the net and he looks like he's got all the time in the world to throw it in there. Connor Helbuck, who I agree with you, I don't think had his best game tonight, still had enough to pull off the kind of save that the vast majority of goalies in this world, and very few in the NHL could pull off. Yes, it was, you know, they, we would have needed three more goals for it to really put the Jets in trouble, but I think it stopped a tiny snowball from starting to roll, and thus I will give the Johnson Group, we've got you covered, play of the game to uh, – to um, Connor Hellebuck in that situation. And if you want to be covered the way that Connor Hellebuck covers the Winnipeg Jets, the Johnson Group, you got to go check them out, everybody. Um, let's start diving into... Hey, hang on one sec. You uh, didn't announce yeah. the winner. Oh! Oh! Okay, so Ken and I were talking about this. These ones are interesting when their names... Uh, that people throw out there, like I think, I think uh, Dave or sorry, Lowry's left hand or something like that has won one before this. And then I always have these interactions afterwards with these people who are like, "Hey, okay, here we go." And I was like, "I need your name because I need to put the name on the certificate to claim the drinks, and then I need your email to get through." That's a little tease. What you got to do after this happens here. But sometimes, like I look at these names and I'm like, "Are these bots? I don't know. Is Ryan Friesen like with the frequency that Ryan Friesen can can make that same message over and over and over again is bot like, which is a compliment. Well done. Uh, but um, <laughs> sorry. I'm getting indulgent in that. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, I've totally lost my train of thought. Where am I? Going? Oh yes. Anyways, this name I said to Ken. I don't know if this is a real person, but the fun of it is, I'm sure it is. But if it's not, well, then all it does is it roll over and the next time around someone wins a 16 pack so that's a long preamble to tell you that elmer fudd in the chat room elmer fudd who i haven't seen here today elmer fudd won the lamplighter you have until the next show to get a hold of rennie 
Just get a hold of me on my socials. Just pop that off for a second so everyone can see my handle oh, there. Sorry, Ken. buddy. SN Sean Reynolds. So direct message me on Twitter. I've got my DMs open so you can get a hold of me. Uh, send me your name. Send me your email address. And I will send you a voucher for an eight-pack of frosty, delicious, Trans-Canada Brewing Company Lamplighter Amber Ale. It is the nectar of the gods. you got to check this stuff out. Elmer Fudd, you're on the clock. Okay, Ken. Uh, let's move on and let's go to, hey, let's go to Axel Janssen Fialbi. This is going to be a show about a bunch of people who stepped up to be heroes tonight. And I got to say, we got, we'll have to get back into it. But it was not long ago, Ken, that their head coach, Rick Bonus, had said, yeah, we had needed something out of our bottom six. We hadn't had it for a while. And I had said to the team, if we're going to be what we want to be, we need the bottom six to start contributing. I believe that was the last game the Jets played before they went on the road. Boy, oh boy, challenge thrown out, gauntlet thrown down, and has the bottom six of the Winnipeg Jets or the fringe players of the Winnipeg's offense ever stepped up to the plate? Yeah, it's been impressive. Uh, I mean, again, if, if you had told me, uh, you know, <laughs> that Janssen Fialbi would go from who's he to the top line of the Winnipeg Jets, Sean, uh, from the time his waiver claim was announced uh, while walking through a hallway in Banff uh, to now, today, on November 27th in Chicago at the United Center. Uh, I, I would have been a little surprised, Sean, I'm going to be honest. But uh, having said that, uh, this is a guy who brings a lot of energy. He brings a lot of speed. Uh, he brings a lot of tenacity. He brings a lot of effort on the forecheck. Um, right now, I mean, we know it's a Band-Aid solution, but right now, Janssen Fialbi is doing a nice job. And I think he actually made a couple of smart kind of one-touch plays out on the ice. I mean, he's not an overly skilled player. Yes, he's put up some numbers in the American Hockey League in terms of the guys he's playing with compared to them. Um, but I, I think he's fit in nicely. He plays to his strengths. He knows what his limitations are. He's gaining a lot of confidence. And he started to, you know, I thought he moved pretty well. I mean, I think he had 15, let's see here. He had 14 minutes, 44 seconds time on ice today, 57 seconds of which were shorthanded. No shots on goal, but knows what his job is. Digging around pucks, doing a nice job. Uh, I do have to, you know, I'm going to insert something here just quickly, Sean. I know we had a little, the, the other debate we had about whether Janssen Fialbi was doing that intentionally to pass the puck. Uh, I, gave oh. Adam, I, I gave Adam Lowry a homework assignment. He asked Janssen Fialbi if he was doing that intentionally, and he, he didn't a Adam told me today on the way by, he said, he didn't answer, he just laughed. But I have been doing some uh, canvassing around the team, and there, I have, I'm not saying this to rub it in, there was not a lot of support for your theory on that one. <laughs> I went back and looked at the video. I think Lowry was actually on the other side of Janssen Fialbi when he tipped it. So unless he was anticipating Lowry going to the other side after the shot was taken. I think Lowry thought off camera, he thought that he was trying to, I'm not discounting it completely. He was trying to tip it to a place that would create chaos, but I don't think it was an intentional tip pass. But regardless, I just wanted to let you know, I'm just not out here eating it, eating at nice restaurants and going to Cowboys games. I'm but you're doing here. that too. You're I'm, doing I'm, that too. I'm out here <laughs> doing some homework. We want the people to know uh, what other people think, again, doesn't mean you were wrong. It just means that some others did not share that same opinion uh, on uh, that front. 
I think it means that I have more faith in Axel Janssen Fialbi than, than you he and does. His teammates have for that matter. Even Janssen Fialbi. Even I Johnson. think the laugh was one of those. One of those. I've got them all fooled, right? Yeah, I think it was one of those. That, that's what I'm going to choose to believe either way, Ken. No matter how many facts Perfect. you throw in front of Perfect. me. There we go. Good stuff. Anyways, Just wanted you uh, to know. So I, I've, I like this game. Uh, what, what have you thought since? Again, do I think this is the long-term solution? No, I do not. But right now, it gives the Jets an option that can be effective. And he was effective. And just one quick one. I, I don't want to switch gears completely because I want you to answer. But for those folks asking earlier, Sam Gagne, yes, was a healthy scratch today for the first time this season. Rick Bonus addressed it after the game. He said it was a hard decision. But because David Gustafson was injured, he's got a minor upper body injury as a result of that strange collision or whatever you want to call it. He got tangled up with Miro Haskinen. I believe it was in the second period of the game against Dallas on Friday. He wanted up Toninato, and yes, Sam Gagne has played some center in his career, but Toninato's more of a natural center. You know, he's a guy who's been used more in the penalty kill, uh, takes more draws, so that's why the decision was made uh, for those who are asking about those two issues in particular. But uh, back to Janssen Fialbi, what, do you, what have you thought since his uh, promotion? The, I guess it was the other night. In yeah, you know, you know what? I I gotta say this, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say I don't think they're the same player at all. There's a very big difference between the two of them. But I'm gonna say one of these things that I like to do on this show is admit a situation where I was wrong, and I'll go to a guy like Brandon Tanev. I remember when Brandon Tanev came to the Winnipeg Jets. I looked at him and his style of play, and I thought this guy just doesn't work. At the NHL level. And I thought that he was going to be a failed experiment. And I could not have been proved more wrong. And what worked about Brandon Tanev is he just, his motor never shuts off. Like in a league where guys have motors that go beyond anyone's motors, Brandon Tanev has a higher motor, I do believe, than, than almost anyone in the game other than Connor Hellebuck. Now, sorry, Connor McDavid. I don't think that he has the skill. But I think that that motor, like I, he's one of the few guys I can think of, Ken, who motors his way to simple scoring opportunities. Another thing that he has very well, and I shouldn't go too deep on Brandon Tanev, he's got a real good understanding of where the net is. If you watch a lot of Brandon Tanev's goals, he's just skating and, and has a guy kind of closing in on him. And what he'll do is he just has a very good understanding of where the net space is. And without looking up, without gauging anything, he'll just suddenly release it. And it's not, it's not a, a lock and load release. It's almost like a sweep shot that he gets away with, and it's instantaneous. And it beats the goaltender before the goaltender knows that he's shooting. So with that one skill and his motor to get ahead, that guy has carved himself out of career and has become a, an extremely good, valuable player on almost any line that he plays on, no matter where he goes. They loved him in Winnipeg. They loved him in Pittsburgh. And they love him in Seattle now. He works like that. Axel Janssen Fialbi does not have that angle uh, of, of that, that little bit of, you know, the awareness around the net and the ability, doesn't have it yet at the very least, um, that ability to kind of like get that shot off without the goalie knowing that it's coming. That makes Brandon Tanev so much more effective as a mid-range scorer. But he's got that motor. And the interesting part about him is he disrupts, he disrupts, he disrupts. And, and one thing I'll give a ton of credit to is Scott Arneal, who went out and knew of a player with the team that he was coaching. I asked Rick Bonus about, like, what did you know about this Axel Janssen-Fialbi? And, and he said, nothing. I knew 
absolutely nothing about him. And I said, well, I mean, what did, what did Scott, Scott O'Neill say to you to sell you on this player, to bring in this player and use in your system? And he said, he didn't have to tell me anything. I trust him implicitly. He said, this guy is going to work in your system. So we brought him in. Kudos to Rick Bonus for having the faith in his coaching staff, a new coach that he hadn't Ken, I don't think he'd worked with him before that, had he? Had he coached him? Had he coached Scott Arneal? Yeah, I think they have. Well, a they, and they have. I mean, they might have still played. They might have played. They would have played together. I think they for played together. Yeah. So there you go. So there, there's a history there. But to have that implicit trust on a new coach on your coaching staff and to go down that road and then take that player and then cut a player like Jansen Harkins who had an established you know role on this team to make way for a player like that says a lot about the trust he has in his coaching staff. But Good on Scott Arneal to take a look at the system that Rick Bonus was running and be like, I know a guy who works here and absolutely nail it. Axel Janssen Fialbi, I don't think he's ever going to be confused for Brandon Tanev in his scoring. I don't think he's got a ton of scoring in him, but I think there's a use for him temporarily on any kind of line. I don't want this guy staying on your top line for the rest of the year or your second line. I don't think that that works. But in a case where it's like emergency break glass or you need to fill in, a guy like Axel Janssen, Fialbi, you can throw him on the front line and you know you're going to get an honest effort out of him. You know he's going to put the opposition in uncomfortable spots. And when you're a players like Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois and you know how to play off stuff like that, that's a valuable person for you. So kudos to kind of everyone involved in this situation. And I'll hand it to Axel Janssen Fialbi. The one thing that he has done at every single turn in his time as a Winnipeg Jet is he's capitalized on whatever opportunity he's been given, no matter how small or no matter how big. And tonight is another example. Yeah, the one other thing that I I do agree, there are definitely some similarities, especially in Tanev's earlier time. I would say Janssen Fjolby is maybe not quite as physical. He gets involved physically, but he's not as, like, Brandon Tanev was a really good hitter on the forward check. I think Janssen Fjolby does a little bit more of the disrupting, not with the maybe the tradition. He is body checking, yes, but you know what I mean, right? He's not as strong as a closer when it comes to hitting. And the other thing that I think would be a little bit decisively different, he's not a shot-blocking Gumby the way that Tanev was either. Oh, yeah. I think Janssen Fialbi is willing to get in the lane and he will block shots, but nobody blocked more shots like Janssen Fialbi, or sorry, like Tanev did and got and like sprung up immediately. Right? I mean, this is a guy that looked like he was shot, and he was literally shot, but like he looked like he was shot with a gun in his leg, and he would just jump up like Gumby. He would like spring his body back to life. But uh, it, it's impressive what he's been able to do. High motor, that is, a, that is a great way to describe it. And a lot of those bottom six guys have been using their motor well this last little bit, Sean. Um, and I'd like to, I mean, unless you have somewhere else you'd like to go, I'd like no, to hear take thoughts it in on the next him. direction. Go Morgan Barron, and then I'll share my thoughts on him after. But sorry, one quick thing. Uh, I think Transcona Pauly was trying. This is this is another classic KNR moment uh, where we talk about our struggles with technology. Um, I know <laughs> Transcona Pauly. Thank you for sending the super chat. A, we're not sure how to claim them, and B, we've kind of made a decision that I don't think we want. Like, we appreciate the thought, but I don't think we are going to be claiming the super chat money 
Uh, Transco Nepali, if you know the answer, I hope that money goes back to you if we don't claim it. If not, we will claim it. We'll try to get it back to you. But anyways, uh, let, that's neither here nor there. But we should get it. So so SK tried to do the same thing oh, earlier sorry, sorry, on SK. and messaged me. Uh, no, earlier on in the year, messaged me and okay. tried to get across to that. And you know what, Ken, I, I didn't want to speak for you, but you and I have talked about this in the past yes. before. I will say this. We have so much appreciation for the time that everyone takes to show up in our chat room and interact with us. And like we said, fuel the show the way that you do. I think Ken and I have felt that that you don't need to monetize this. Ken and I are here and the what you are giving us with your time and your attention and your thoughts and your takes and your boos and your hisses <laughs> is more than we could have ever hoped for when we started doing this thing. So we believe me, we appreciate the gesture. Um, but but all that said, uh, what we appreciate the most is that you're here uh, listening to us right now at this moment. Um, you want Sorry. to move on to Morgan Barrett? Let's quickly, let's do another ad run and then we'll get into a dig in. We're already at 37 minutes here. We should yeah, sure. A, Give our main man Sorry, Lou a, a shout for, out. For all of you watching live and for those of you tuning in later on on the chat room, if you have any uh, real estate needs, if you're buying, if you're selling, if you're just curious uh, what's on the market, what's happening in the market, uh, you can check out our main man, Lou Ferlin, uh, Realtor for Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. Uh, you can reach him at 204-791-9971 or at the office 204-989-5000. Uh, you can also check uh, check out his uh, site at www.louferlin, that's L-E-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. Uh, Lou's a great individual. Uh, he's my personal realtor. He's a huge supporter of the sporting community in manitoba and just an all-around good human and if you're looking for something in the real estate uh, realm lose your guy to help uh, out and be sure to tell him that kenny and rennie sent you no doubt and if you take a look lou keeps it clean he's a sharp looking guy he's well dressed he keeps it tight to the wood up top i gotta say ken ken got caught without his razor on the road trip and lou is looking <laughs> a little more sleek than ken right now i didn't mean to point that out but i just saw lou and i was like i don't lou that lou doesn't miss lou doesn't miss uh, and if you want a realtor who doesn't miss he's your guy to go to you know what let's go for our home field uh dig deeper comment of the game i'd set something aside for this let's see if i can find this a little faster than i did last time here we go i love this the home field dig deeper comment of the game is from wiz krilm i had not thought of this i don't know how many people had but axel yontem fialbi for kovacevic was a pretty acceptable waivers trade-off i think this is a brilliant comment i hadn't thought of it like that i think a lot of people like to focus on loss and when johnny kovacevic went down the road there was a lot of you know, people being upset that you've got to find balance for a team. This is a conversation that would have happened with the coaching staff about who is going up, who is going down. Part of that conversation would have been that they were bringing in Axel Janssen Fialbi. I think this is a brilliant comment and a brilliant insight by Wiz Krill, not focusing on the negative, but taking this as an asset management situation where if something went out and something came in, Wiz Krill has our home field dig deeper comment of the day and ken are, are we able to announce yet uh, what we're going to be doing for people uh with the not home field? Yet. not no, yet still still working on it still looking to iron it down but uh Wiz there, Chrome, there you need be, to know uh, yes uh, we we have been taking stock of who have won the uh the dig deeper awards throughout this and retroactively we will be taking care 
of everybody. I know Julie Sue is one of the former winners. I think Merle Peters is one of the double winners on the show. I think, believe he got a home field dig deeper, and he's won the eight pack of Lamplighter Ale. Um, let's move on uh, to. Sorry, just quickly. Hey, uh, that's sure. Home Field for marketing and more. You can reach them at www.myhomefield.ca. Okay, so let us talk about. Um, let's go to Mikey Aceman. I know you want to be Morgan Barrett. Let's do Mikey Aceman. Sure, I, I was, yeah, I was going to talk about both players. Uh, Asimov. Well, get, get into both. Get into both. Do that. Sure. Let's do it as a value pack, a two for one, two for the price of one here, if you don't mind. Oh, there you go. You may meet, you may need to pause in the middle of this trip. Uh, Asimov is, I won't go very long at the buffet here. Mikey, I've said this a couple times now, and I, I'm believing it more staunchly than the original thought. Mikey Asimov is becoming Matthew Perot without the beard and the long hair. This guy is the energizer bunny right now for the Winnipeg Jets. He is tenacious. And I again, I meant to say it the other day on Friday, Mikey Asimont didn't get an assist on one of those goals. He completely took out Ryan Suter, which allowed the goal to happen. So if that, if that and Rick Bonus showed it out yesterday during the availability, I mean, he's been incredibly tenacious, uh, incredibly hard worker. And guess what, Sean? Today when Sam Gagne is out of the lineup, Mikey Asamont is on the Jets' second power play suddenly. So you've gone from having uh, an, a first impression training camp with the new coaching staff, but you still got sent down a little earlier than you were hoping. What does Mikey Asamont do? He goes down, plays very well, and then gets himself back on the radar when opportunity knocks. And now he's leapfrogged a couple other guys this is this is like what Jansen Harkins did about three years ago, Sean. Right? He yeah. hopped over a bunch of people, and now suddenly you're starting to wonder if he's gonna who's gonna take him out of the lineup. I mean, Mikey Isamont, the thing for him, he needs to sustain this. I mean, the sample size is still very small, but right now he's doing a lot of things that will earn you an opportunity to remain in the lineup. Now for Morgan Barron quickly, Morgan Barron missed ten games, Sean. He missed the last 10 games. He jumps into the lineup and looks like he didn't miss a beat. To me, I love that Rick Bonus eased him in. You know, he played on the fourth line. He had, let's have a quick peek here. He had 11.46 of ice time, three shots on goal, one hit, got engaged physically, thought about maybe dropping the gloves, but that was a smart move not to if you're him coming off a wrist surgery. But I like Barron. He gave the Jets nice energy and there again i think he had two assists in the game sean here's the thing six points in 10 games for morgan Barron. one goal five helpers six points we talked about complimentary scoring coming into the year morgan Barron missed 10 games and he still found a way to be uh, you know almost a three-quarter a point per game player i mean that's important for the jets they'll need that he's the kind of guy that can move up in the lineup once he gets his feet back underneath him, gets his wind back up. But, man, w what a job he is, he did in coming back from missing those 10 games. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, Morgan Barron 
has to produce coming back into the lineup because that's what's happened at this stage. No one's missing. I mean, if you're trying to think of the guys who would potentially come out of the lineup as players come back in, you think about Jansen Harkins, right? Well, Jansen Harkins went down to the minors, absolutely rocked it, came up, has done everything the Jets have asked him to do. He's got progressively better to the point that he's contributing offensively now and and doing a a great job of of disrupting things, right? Well, then you turn to a guy like Saku Manalainen who, you know, came here on a last-ditch effort to make the NHL and sounds like the kind of guy that may get a little bit of a, you know, taste in the NHL. But you know what, kid? You've been out of the NHL for 10 years. There's a reason why, you know, you gave it your best shot, but it's time to move along your way. Well, he goes out and puts up, does what he does here tonight, two goals. How do you take that guy out of the lineup, right? Axel Janssen Fialbi, Fialbi is going and doing everything that they would have asked him to do. Even Dominic Toninato is coming up and and making a push. Um from the time that he got taken out of the lineup here. If you're Morgan Barron, yeah, you don't have time to lean on the excuse that, uh, hey, I was out of the lineup for a little while. It's going to take me a little bit of time to get going here. Everyone's going. Everyone is fighting. We've talked about this, and Paul Maurice used to talk about it before. You know, the best teams, and every coach says this because it's true, but the best teams are the teams that have internal competition. There is no doubt about it at this moment. The Jets have an extremely healthy internal competition going on here right now. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when the likes of Ehlers come up. Um, but the Jets have made them – I'm starting to wonder, Ken, and I know that I had a lot of uh, messages coming uh, about this, but I'm starting to wonder where a guy like Sam Gagne fits in all this when when because of the young guys and the way that they're pushing, the way that the, – the, the one thing that Sam Gagne, I think, doesn't have the way that Saku Menelainen has – the way that Axel Janssen Fialbi has, the way that Jansen Harkins has been showing all of these players who are pushing their way into the lineup is their energy guy to that degree. Now, degree. now I think Sam Gagne has done a good job of using what he has at this stage to make an impact so far. I just don't know that that impact spreads as far or casts as wide of a net as these young players do the way that, that they've been uh, moving at this stage. Ken, before we go too far, uh, I'm going to get this done because it's been called for. Last thing in the chat room, Ian Bloomberg says headband time. In Bones We Trust agrees. you got to give the fans what they want. In a show like this, Ken, when they're telling us what we got to be talking about and not. So it's time for it, people. It's Let's make this a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Randy show. I didn't have the comment favorited, Ken, but uh, this is a headband, even though it's got the, the wig going on here. It's funny this, how many people showed up and Great were offended because they thought I was wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. It's a Trans-Canada Brewing Tremendous. jersey. Now I've got the Go Coyotes headband on here. I think people will forgive it because if there's a place that a, a mullet is welcome anywhere, it is no doubt in the city of Winnipeg and the province of Manitoba. But before we go on too far, I just want to give a shout-out to our, our final uh, – um, sponsors of the day here. Ken and I are both members of Cambrian Credit Union, so we've noticed their new website and their new online banking. So easy to use. I 
implore you if you're if you have financial goals head on down to their website they make it very easy for you to head in the direction to search for whatever you need to search for to appease your financial needs and one of the things that we absolutely love about Cambrian Credit Union is their unfee account you just have to set up uh, a monthly uh, drop into the account you can save $222 a year doing it uh, go check out Cambrian Credit Union um, absolutely love those guys Ken let's talk about okay let's have this conversation because we had it a little bit offline let's talk about Blake Wheeler now clearly Blake Wheeler is worth talking about on a night-to-night basis the way that he's been producing we had an overarching conversation and I want you to take it away uh, because we need to talk about Blake Wheeler and what he's been able to con- contribute this season. Yeah, Sean, I mean, it's it's been very interesting. I mean, look, you know, the day that Blake Wheeler was stripped of the captaincy or the day that it was announced, uh, you know, one of the big questions was how would he respond? Uh, we know how he responded in the scrum, but how would he respond on the ice? What, how would his role change, if at all? You know, how would his play be this year uh, with two years left on his contract? Uh, and Blake Wheeler has answered all the questions. Uh, Blake Wheeler has been a contributing player. Um, he's t- still one of their top point getters. Um, he has played with incredible effort. He has given everything that he's possibly has on ev- each and every night. He has remained a little bit defiant when it comes to his talks in the media, but he's also been... It's interesting, Sean. I've noticed this, and I don't know if you agree still or not, but Blake, you know, when he speaks now, he's often asked about other players around the league. He's been asked about Phil Kessel. He's been asked about other people. He's sort of taking on this kind of veteran, not ambassador role, but he's t- speaking broadly about the league in general. Uh, I think it's been very interesting. I mean, I, I did see him briefly today in the room after the game and just acknowledged him uh, passing Brian Little to become the all-time franchise leader in games played. Uh, today was 845 for Blake Wheeler. Uh, we know his thousand games as an NHLer were celebrated. Um, but, I mean, this is a, this is a, it's a lot of games. And it's 12 seasons with the Jets alone. Uh, Blake has been put, you know, that was a tough thing for any player to go through, especially one who took as much pride as Blake Wheeler when it comes to, you know, being the captain setting down roots in Winnipeg, um, you know, committing to, you know, building a house here, having his family here. Uh, and again, at, at, the, at the top of all of the, you know, all the things we've been talking about, he's still, like, some people, a lot of people were predicting father time, and I don't mean you or I necessarily. Some people wondered if father time was starting to take over. But father, since father time is un, undefeated, um, yeah. but there's been no drop off in the production Blake continues to be one of the top point producers on this team he has played less that was one thing we wondered would his ice time be diminished it has gone down but it's gone down for his benefit not for his detriment not because he needed to be shipped down to the third line or anything like that he's playing fewer minutes but those minutes are important and he's able to exert extract more from those minutes because of his preparation. You know, he's, he hasn't forgotten how to... He, Rick Bonus said after the game today, Blake Wheeler plays to his strengths. He knows what his strengths are, and he's played to those strengths. I mean, is he the same player he was when he was 26? Absolutely not. But you can't expect him to be the same player he's, as he was when he was 26. But the same thing he does do that he was doing when he was 26 is give you every single thing that he has. 
Uh, and for those people who wondered if Blake had checked out on the Winnipeg Jets, well, you got your own wake-up call because Blake Wheeler has done an excellent job in the first quarter of the season. Now, again, he has to keep it up. That that's part of the that's part of the deal when you're making 8.25 million and you're one of in your important member of the top six. But Blake has done his part, and Sean, I think you'd like to expand. His role has been acknowledged quite regularly by his teammates, whether that's in interviews or in the post-game situation where the Jets are handing out the leather jackets when they used to hand out the fighter helmet. Love that. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to bring this up. Uh, uh, I, you and I had a little conversation about this. So I think both of us were on this series, but I covered the, I think it's the 2016 Santa Cup final, the Pittsburgh Penguins against the San Jose Sharks. Is that the one or is it the Yeah, I did the, no, I did the semifinal only. I did the, that, okay. that year I only did the conference final, which was Sharks and Blues, but then you went on and did the final afterward. I know there where you're you going. Go. Okay, so... If you remember that year, Phil Kessel's playing on the line, the HBK line, no less. How about that? Uh, um, but he's he's tearing it up, right? Because uh, because they're getting third line talent to play against, and he's feasting on them. Because let's be honest, the the Pittsburgh Penguins are so deep that year. And one of the things that makes them deep is they've got you know two centers up ahead of them, Sidney Crosby and then Evgeny Malkin, who especially at that time in their career. Um, we're just, you know, powerhouses. You could put anyone with them. If I remember that year, it's Connor Sherry. I think Brian Rust at the time that Sidney Crosby was playing with. Both of them, if I remember correctly, had been playing college hockey before that, like earlier on in the year. So you took two kids out of college, threw them on the line with the best player in the game, and there you go, there's your first line. But it reminds me, because I remember there was a conversation within the media that was following, and there was a, a, a lot of buzz about Phil Kessel winning the Conn Smythe Trophy that year. And this is what this reminds me of. Um, sometimes you need the room to check and tell you how you should, you know, what you're missing uh, and maybe what people are feeling about a player, take the temperature of a player. And I remember in that year when people would go in because Sidney Crosby and, and Phil Kessel were tied for the playoff lead in scoring going into it in the end there. I think uh, they either ended up tied or Sid ended up uh, um, squeaking him out. But regardless, they were close. And I remember people started going in, members of the media started going in and asking, listen, if you guys do pull this off, who should win the Conn Smythe Trophy? Um, Sid or, or Phil Kessel? And the response was like, listen, nothing against Phil, but if you can't see what Sidney Crosby is doing out there, you're blind. You are comparing the points of a guy who's playing against third-line competition against a guy who has the same amount of points but is also tackling the toughest assignment on the other team the entire time and still managing to lead the playoffs in scoring while single-handedly, because he's got two young guys on his line, shutting down the best the other team has – if you think that this is a competition, you aren't watching the games properly. And I think what happened after that is there was a lot of media members that got checked and they were pushing that narrative and it got pushed back. Uh, and, and so we have Sidney Crosby winning the Conn Smythe Trophy in that situation. The whole point of it is guys in the room have an appreciation for, for their teammates and know what their teammates are doing uh, um, that – 
people outside won't necessarily see. And you just touched on the fact that they hand out that leather jacket, Ken, as their player of the game or however it goes. How many times has Wheels won that? What that is is a clear indication of the respect for him within that room and what he's doing this year. So you touched on it. Blake Wheeler's days of scoring 90 points in a season, those are behind him. You talked about people who thought Father Time was going to catch up with them. Ken, I'll raise my hand as high as you want to admit when you're wrong. And I don't think he's the same player he used to be. But I'll be fully, fully apparent, sorry, transparent when I say I thought based on the gritty style of play he played for years in that big body, that he was one of those players that Father Time was just going to suddenly tap him on the shoulder, give him a crack on the back of the head and carry him out the back door, right? That hasn't happened. We talked about this on the last broadcast um, and we had a, a, a clip of, you wouldn't have seen it, Ken, because we were down there. Juice, um, Kevin Bieksa, when he got his one-day retirement with the um, with the uh, Vancouver Canucks, gave a speech in front of the room and he said, listen, if you're a skill guy, you got to be out there practicing your skills every day. If you're a net front guy, be out tipping the pucks. Um, and tip 100 pucks before it's said and done. If you're an energy guy, you be in the gym and you be hitting the gym harder than anywhere else. Well, Ken, you'll know this. Wh- who ends every single morning skate tipping about 20, 30, 40, 50 pucks in front of the net? For the Jets? For the Jets. Perfetti sometimes, Blake sometimes. It's Blake. It is every single practice. We went, I sent my cameraman out and he shot it and he shot it and he shot it. Blake Wheeler has made an understanding. This is a guy who used to dissect opponents from a distance. And he's realized that the best place for his game right now is net front. That's where he scores his goals. Doesn't mean he can't still wheel and deal. You saw him set up uh, Josh Morrissey. He, you, he still has that touch. But... Blake Wheeler heads to the front of the net now and battles, uses that big body of his to battle, goes to a place where a lot of guys don't want to go at that stage of his career. I think that that is earning him trust within the dressing room. The fact he keeps getting that jacket over and over again is a clear, clear indication of how his teammates feel about him. We all know the story about the C being taken away, and we know, and you talked about it, Blake Wheeler said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to continue to lead. He's done exactly that. And his teammates have recognized that time and time again. It should be noted. What a year for wheels. Yeah, it's been impressive. Uh, Jeep guy 696969 saying wheels is doing what he has always done without the C. Well, that's what Blake told us he was going to do. Uh, and that is what he has been doing. Uh, Wheeler leads with or without a letter, maybe even better. Um, you know, it's impressive. I mean, it's been, it's honestly, you know, we're going to be talking, but we're not going to get into it now, but, uh, you know, Blake Wheeler is one of the biggest stories of the first quarter of the year. Don't you agree, Sean? I mean, totally. I, totally. I wouldn't even call it a resurgence. I would say his ability to maintain a high level while playing, you know, slightly uh, reduced minutes is one of the reasons the Jets are, you know, they are technically, you know, yes, we understand they're one point behind the Dallas Stars with two games in hand, but they're first in points percentage and, you know, first in points percentage in the Central Division. Not a lot of people were saying that going into the year, uh, and it's been impressive. I know we, one quick thing about the game before we turn the page here. What did you think of the Dylan Sam? I know you said you liked it, but man, don't you think Max Domi is going to be getting a phone call? Yeah, uh, for that two-handed slash on Dylan Sandberg. 
Yes, totally. Uh, I, I entirely think that, but I love the response, right? I, you know, it's going to be hard to get, uh, I'm, I'm going to take that and I'm going to just go in a bunch of different directions Perfect. here really quick because we're almost out of time. I just want to touch on some of the things I wanted to touch on before we shut this down. I touched on it at the beginning of the show. Um, I love that Sandberg does that. I love that he handles it that way. Again, another guy who's fighting to stay, keep his way in, keep himself in the lineup. I think he's done that effectively, but I love that play. I love the way that he handles it calmly. And then kind of at one point grabs Domi, who's a tough character, right? Like remember Max Domi got in a fight with, uh, uh, Phil, sorry, not Phil, um, Kessler, Ryan Kessler and pounded him. That happened early on in his time in the league. I think he was 19 or 20 years old or something like that caught everybody surprised. He's not He's not a guy to be bowled over, and yet that's exactly what Dylan Sandberg did. Kind of looked at him, and it was that the old uh, F around and find out meter that keeps going on. Uh, it was one of those situations where Dylan Sandberg kept sitting back and saying, F around and you'll find out. And in the end, he found out. He's a big man, bowled him over, got on top of him, give him credit for that. And I just got to throw out something here. Well, Mikey Asamont, you touched on it earlier on. This guy is another guy I did not list in the names of guys who are fighting for an NHL chance here. It's going to be heartbreaking, like heartbreaking to see the effort that all these guys have put in. When someone has to get sent down, they will not have deserved to be sent down, Ken, when it's all said and done. This is going to be a tough decision down the stretch. And finally, I just got to touch on this. Josh Morrissey just keeps rolling. My goodness, to, to be continuing on at the pace that he is continuing on, this is strange. I know that they were talking about it on the Hockey Night in Canada panel the other day. Um, Elliot Friedman giving the shout-out about Winnipeggers. That's you, chat room, calling Josh Morrissey, Josh Norrissey. It's an interesting conversation to start having, and I know that the imbalance in points that we see uh, right now um, uh, with with the San Jose Sharks and Eric Carlson is is something that you know traditionally people would look at it and say like a guy puts up that many points, you've got to give him credit for that, especially coming from the uh, from the defensive end of things here. But the overall game of Josh Morrissey. Um, I don't think just has him in the conversation for the Norris Trophy. Early on, he's square in the conversation, and I would say it, it would be hard to keep him out of the top three. Ken, uh, finish up with your bullet points, and then we'll we'll get on out of here. I'm good. I think we're, we're under good? control. Yeah, hey, I think I've, you got to get going. I've spit out uh, as much as I have. Oh, no, sorry. I guess I did. <laughs> one last one, a parting shot. Uh, not a shot, uh, but one of the reminders. We like to talk about the receipts. Uh, for those other folks that may have thought Pierre-Luc Dubois had checked out with what happened in the summertime with the flirtation, outward flirtation with the Montreal Canadiens, how are you guys feeling about Pierre-Luc Dubois being second on the Jets and goals with 10 so far? Yes, there you go. Uh, bring in the receipts as always, my main man, Kenny. Uh, chat room, you brought it tonight. I want to say... Um, we, we've we've moved a lot, but we we've got more we want to move. We want to spend some time with you. We want to do it face to face. The first place that we're going to do that this year is December eighteenth at Transcanada Brewing for the Kenny and Randy Christmas party. We'd love to see you there. Tickets are twenty bucks each. That gets you your first drink, and that gets you your food for the night, and that gets you in the room to hang out with Kenny and Randy and Scott Billick and a whole bunch of us uh, media types, uh, where we can chat throughout the game, chat before the game. There's going to be a hour long meet and greet let's say uh to start the event and then we'll do a live uh viewing of the show we'd love to have you there just direct message me at uh, sn sean reynolds 
Um, 20 bucks gets you those tickets. Uh, send me your information if you want to go. We'd love to hear from you. love to see you down there. Secondly, I want to thank uh, our sponsors. Uh, I've said it once. I'll say it a hundred times at the end of all of these shows. Um, if you appreciate the conversations that are happening in these spaces in this market, please appreciate the sponsors that are investing to keep that happening for us. That's Vittorio Rossi, Transcanda Brewing, Johnson Group, Lou Ferlin, Homefield, and Cambrian Credit Union. And finally, chat room. I know that uh, I know that you came in here and you were a little upset with your boy Rennie here tonight. Uh, you, you kept yourselves you kept yourselves uh, balanced. Let's say that. Um, I love feeling the heat. You brought the heat. You didn't get to the point of uh, being disrespectful, and I appreciate that. I hope that I'm reciprocating. Uh, thank you for being you and doing what you do. We will see you after the next show. A huge one against the Avalanche, which Ryan Friesen is just going to lose his mind when that game happens. See you later, everybody.